0: Riverside Church podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. This morning, uh, we're going to sort of, sort of, uh, begin our new series in Acts that will take us uh, who knows how long uh, throughout the semester. We're going to uh, be looking at uh, the book of Acts. And, and the reason I say sort of is because uh, we're not going to dig into all there is in chapter one uh, just yet. Uh, if the Lord says the same, we'll begin that um, next week. But uh, this morning, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit, kind of uh, 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 put put the seams together. You'll see why in a minute between the end of Luke and, and the first part of Acts, we're going to kind of start putting those things together and kind of give a charge that I hope will carry us throughout um, the book of Acts. And I hope you'll see that as we go along the way, that this isn't a standalone sermon, but it'll help us consider this morning something that is essential um, to understanding Uh, the book of Acts. Now, a a brief word about the book of Acts. Um, It's the fifth book in the New Testament. Um, There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. You don't have your Bible, or you can turn there. Uh, So if you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts is right after the four Gospels uh, in the New Testament. You may notice uh, if you have your Bibles with you and you look at the top of your Bible, it says the Acts of the Apostles. Um, Perhaps it would be better to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because we see what this Holy Spirit does and accomplishes through the apostles. So yes, it is the acts of the apostles after Jesus ascended into heaven, but I hope you'll see here in a moment that it's the work of the Spirit through the church, through the apostles, through followers of Jesus Christ. So what we have recorded in the book of Acts is the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and in the church. That the Spirit forms the church and as the Spirit empowers the church to bring the gospel to the nations. Something you may notice as well about Acts, you may notice about Acts in Acts chapter 1.1. Let's go ahead and and read it, so look along with me here. Let's read Acts 1.1. It says, in the first book, okay, so that means there's another book to this, right? What is the first book? O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them about his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during the forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days From now. Are you putting the clues together? What's the the second this is the second book? What is the first book that you just hear in Acts chapter 24 of Jesus presenting himself to his apostles, waiting for the promise at the end of Luke chapter at the end of Luke 24, the end of Luke's gospel. Flip with me for a second to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Some of you may already know this, but. It will help help you to to remember this. Some of you may, may not have known this, so this is a wonderful thing to learn. Listen to the beginning of Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 1, 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, verse 2, just as though who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, It seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent, there's that guy again, Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So what does that tell us? That Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus, book number one, the first book that he talks about in Acts chapter one. So Acts is as you if if you will the, the second volume of Luke's work. So Luke is the author of Acts, the first volume, all that Jesus did while he was here on earth. And you see him explain here all that I have dealt with that J- Jesus began to do and teach in Acts chapter one one until the day he was taken up and after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Here's he going to give an account of how the Holy Spirit empowered the, impos- the apostles to carry out the commands that Jesus gave, namely in the end of, Act, of Luke Luke chapter 24. So in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Luke is now continuing his Holy Spirit-inspired account. In the Gospel of Luke, he records the life of Jesus. And now in Acts, he records all that happens after Jesus gave the commands to the Apostles through the Holy Spirit, and ascended bodily, remember he even ate fish, so he's bodily ascended, not just spiritually, but bodily ascended, to heaven. And so, it bears in mind, if we're going to understand what Acts is all about, we need to understand the commands that Jesus gave to his apostles, so that we can see what the apostles are called to do. Now, turn back with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 24. Are you with me here? You see the connection? Y'all following? Volume 1, Luke. Volume 2, Acts. What Jesus did. And now in, uh, in Acts, all that Jesus continued to do through the work of the Holy Spirit, through his apostles, we see that they are going to fulfill what Christ had commanded. You may have heard this earlier as I read out the scripture to you, but let's read it again. Not all of it, but let's start in verse 44. So we're asking the questions, uh, what are the commands? What are the commands that Christ gave to his apostles, gave to the early church? Because that's going to inform us what Christ has commanded followers to do here and now. Verse 44 of Luke chapter 24. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said, all of the scriptures about me, all of the scriptures leading up to me, and now they understand that. That's all about the walk to the road to Emmaus, if you may have heard of that before. Verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. We're getting to the gospel now. What did Christ do? What's the good news? That Christ died and Christ rose again. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to the nations. So, so we're getting the command, aren't we? What's the command? We see the work of Christ, and the command is that repentance for the forgiveness of sins, the good news of the gospel, will be proclaimed in his name to the nations. That's the command that he gave them. What is particularly beginning in Jerusalem? And what's he going to tell them in Acts chapter 1? You will be my witnesses. Where first in Jerusalem then in Samaria, then into the uttermost parts of the world. And so Christ was telling them to make the gospel known to the world. All that you've witnessed in Christ, all that you've seen in Christ, all that you've witnessed to what Christ has done, particularly his death and resurrection, and that he forgives sins, make that known to the nations starting in Jerusalem. And you are a witness of these things. Verse 49, here's the other command. And behold, You'll see more of this next week. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city, that's stay in that city in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So the commands that we begin to see as as we work through the end of of Acts there, that that the gospel, the forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed to the nations. And we also see the, the command to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, so the command's Proclaim the good news and the command to wait on the Holy Spirit. You won't be able to carry this mission out without the power of the Holy Spirit. Your power for this mission, your power to fulfill this command, your power to proclaim Christ to the nations will rely upon the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what you're going to get in Acts. We are going to see the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed in the church Form the church and bring the gospel to the nations. By the way, the same Holy Spirit that still indwells and empowers every single one of you who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The same very Holy Spirit who at this hour will indwell all who believe in the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. That happens when you are saved. The Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And He has given you that as a guarantee. So begin to see what are the commands command to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, wait for the Holy Spirit, the, the command to, to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Let me, let me say this in a, in a simplified, uh, simplified way to kind of sum up uh, in, in something that I hope brings us uh, throughout this series in, in, in the weeks to come. Um, I want to say it like this, to uh, church, live as sent ones. Live as sent ones. Live as those who are sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit, live as sent ones who are sent out with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may notice and you'll see this in um, just a, a little bit here uh, have you noticed how we've been ending our service over the last six months or year or so? What is the very last thing I say? Brothers and sisters, you are sent. You are sent. You are living in the power of the Holy Spirit to make the gospel known to the nation. So we're going to see this, that we're going to live as, as sent ones. Some of you listen all the way to the end because you knew the answer to that question. Good job. So we're going to see this throughout the book of Acts, to be missional, to be mission-minded, to live and to think as a sent one, as a witness of Jesus. So, so this is us. This is us. This is the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that empowers us, you and I, here Today. So, Jesus is tell, tells them that they must preach repentance. Kid, you can go ahead and we're about to get to that booklet in a second if you have one in front of you. He tells them that they must preach repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations, starting right there in Jerusalem. Here's the thing about Jerusalem they must go out to the people who murdered Jesus, and then to all of the world, telling others that he is risen from the dead and that there is forgiveness with God. The best news in the entire world, that there is forgiveness that death no longer has its sting, that the curse has been reversed, that death has been conquered and undone. It's lost its sting, all because sin has been dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's their purpose. That's our purpose. And they must do this in the power of the promise of God, who is the Holy Spirit. One author goes on to say, Christians since that day have done just that. That's why we exist to tell the world that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that everyone must repent of sin and seek his forgiveness by faith if they wish to live with God. We are, by biblical faith, one author says, witnesses of these things. And so when Luke writes in Acts chapter 1, you have witnessed these things and tell the world about them, we are witnesses of these things as we have beheld them in the scriptures of Jesus Christ. So we are sent ones, we are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're sent with the good news of the gospel of of Jesus Christ. And and we're going to see this. Let me say one more thing. And then, kids, we're going to get to that little booklet. We carry the good news to our family, our friends, our state, our nation, our world, wherever the Lord might lead. This is the message we we carry about with the power of the Holy Spirit. Something you're going to notice in the book of Acts, something that has has struck me really over the past couple years, Anytime I've looked at the book of Acts, at least two times and probably more than two times, we see the spread of the church as people come to faith in Jesus Christ um, described like this, that the the word of God increased or the word multiplied. They don't necessarily, the the church multiplied, though the church was multiplying and growing. They don't even say that people came to faith in Jesus Christ, though they did. They believed in the forgiveness of sins only through Jesus Christ. Absolutely, that was happening. But, But the way Luke describes it is that the Word increased. That the, that the Word multiplied. And here's what he's saying, is that, that the good news, remember what we see in the Gospels, that, that what is the Word? The Word is what we sow. The Word is the Gospel. The, the, the Word are the seeds that we sow throughout of our lives. Some of you might be here this morning because someone sowed the Word. They told you about the Gospel, and and part of that Word of God increasing in your life is is. In, increasing in this world is that word of God spreading and taking hold and, and bearing fruit in your life, and so 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 what, what what the what Acts is describing is that we go about sowing, scattering the seed, as Jesus would say, of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that begins to multiply, that begins to take root. So this means. If we are to see increase as people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, if we are to see increase in, uh, in the church and, 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 believe, and people coming to believe in Jesus Christ, then what we need to rely upon the growth is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we will see growth is if we sow the right seed. The only seed that we need to be sowing, the primary seed that we need to be sowing is what? It's the Word, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we are relying upon for increase and multiplication. <laughs> So, what is the Word? What is the good news? It's it's Jesus has bled and died and risen again. We see that. He's preaching the forgiveness of sins. We see that at the end of Luke, didn't we? That The repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And we see this in Acts chapter 1, that we are to, uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to teach and do all that Jesus said. So, so what is the word? As you know, it's, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. And so kids, do you have that little book with you? I'm going to use that as the five remaining points of my sermon this morning. So you can follow along with this. And, and this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's all sorts of ways we can summarize the gospel of Jesus Christ. I find this is a a very helpful way. This is the way our kids, um, if your kids have been involved in our kids' ministry on Sunday morning at 9.15, we have faithful teachers that take them through the gospel project. Um, And this is the way that they periodically share the gospel with the kids so so that they know what the good news of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ is. And so kids, you may be familiar with this. You may not be familiar with this, but now you are uh, because it's it's before you. So, what's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Point number one God rules. God rules. God is king. Do you see that in your book there? God is the creator of all things. God rules. He is our king. Uh, But don't miss this. Not only is he in control of all things, he is the creator of all things. We are the creature, he is the creator. Here's what this means. If God rules, he's powerful over all things. Don't miss that our king has a good design. He's designed things as they ought to be. He's designed the way that we were meant to flourish in relationship with him. We we saw that in the garden, in the Garden of Eden, that the people of God flourished because they enjoyed a relationship with God. Sin had not yet entered into the world, and so they enjoyed a relationship with the ruler of all things. And so the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to look for your identity in other things. You don't have to look for your design for your life in other things. The good news for the gospel for the church, because remember, the gospel forms the church as well, that we don't have to look for identity in other things other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, because our good king has a good design for our lives, Isn't this so culturally relevant for today? Because we try to make gods of ourselves, don't we? We try to give our own design and find our own identity apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that will never prove fruitful. That will never pan out how you want it to pan out. God rules. What's more, God has a good design. What's more, the Bible tells us that all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we can say, Jesus is king. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 says all things were created by him and all things were created for him and that at this very hour he holds all things together. We believe that as Christians that he has created all things by him and for him and he holds all things together this whole world together and that means he holds you together. The very reason you have breath in your lungs this morning and that you're here this morning is because God held you to this point and brought you here. That's how gracious he is. God is a perfect and loving ruler. He is king. He's created all this for himself. I don't know about you, but if I have created a whole world for myself, I would probably be very self-serving. God is a perfect and loving ruler He is gracious, he's slow to wanger, he's abounding in love. God is in charge of everything. He rules over the entire earth, and there is not a square inch of the entire cosmos that isn't the Lord's. And our purpose is this, that we were created by him and for him. We were created in his image, and our purpose is to shine the spotlight, spotlight on him. Now, let me ask you a point of application before we go on Uh, to the we send part. If God rules, and and I've said this and you've said this before, maybe that there's not a square inch of this entire cosmos that God is not sovereign over. And we would say yes and amen, all things created by him and for him. But I find in my own life, and maybe you find this in your life, that we're real good in saying that than marking off certain parts of our lives and saying mine have you done that before it, Maybe you can look through your browser history Is that that's something that 's not edifying to the, that that 's mine that 's mine. God is not sovereign over that god 's rule is not over that maybe it's uh, your, your home maybe it's the way uh, your relationship with your spouse maybe it's um, your work life. Maybe it's your relational life. Um, the Holy Spirit will help you kind of see and understand that. I don't have to name a whole bunch of things as though I'm trying to uh, name uh, certain sins that are worse than others. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But, but you know that even, though, even as Christians that we believe God is sovereign over all things, I wonder if there's something in your life that you're saying, mine. God will not touch that. I'm going to keep that as long as possible. So God rules is part of the gospel. Number two, kids, you can see that in your little booklet as well. Not only does God rule, but what do we do? We sin. What went wrong with all this? Because we see that all things are, are, are things are broken. This world doesn't always work out as as we think it should relationships are broken. We are broken. There are struggles. There are catastrophes. Now, there is still sin and sadness and, and disease and death and all sorts of horrible things in this world that we would say are not, shouldn't, should not be. And all of this is because we sin. So what went wrong while God created us for his glory and his image? The first image bearers, Adam and Eve, chose to disobey God. They chose to be their own kings, they chose to be their own rulers. They chose to go their own way. That was the promise of Satan, that you will be God if you disobey God. Even though they were already like God because they were created in his image, he made a false promise to them, and then they believed that false promise, and they went into the cycle of the fallen world that we see now. So if God is king, and if he's ruler over the whole cosmos that means that our sin can be described as described as cosmic treason that when we sin we sin against the ruler of everything we sin against our creator we sin against the one who's loved us we sin against the one who created us and this means selfishly we do what we want instead of god what god wants this means selfishly we choose to shine the spotlight on ourselves instead of god And that's what what sin is. It's disobeying God, and it's also shining the spotlight on ourselves instead of shining the spotlight on God because we are meant to reflect His image and shine His glory. So that has application for our own lives. It has application for our church as well, doesn't it? What are we trying to shine? Are we trying to shine Christ in His glory? The good news that there is forgiveness of sins, that we have a God who loves us. So God rules, we sin, thankfully God did not ignore our sin. Yes, he, there's punishment for sin, but he also provided a way for our sin to be dealt with. So God rules, we sin, kids, next page in that booklet, God provided. God responds to our sin. Yes, we are removed from his presence. Yes, we are now no longer, we need to be reconciled to God. Our relationship with God has been torn apart because of sin. But the good news of the gospel that God provided. God responds. The problem of humanity is sin and the greatest problem in all of the world. What would you say the greatest problem in all of the world is? I'll tell you what it is. It's lostness. The only solution is the gospel, and we know it, (laughs) and we got it. We got the greatest news in the entire cosmos that God saves sinners. We got the solution to the greatest world problem of lostness. We know the gospel, and you are a, a, a witness to these things, that God has provided a way, a perfect and loving God, Provided the only way for humanity to be saved from their sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through Him. He made a way to rescue us from the punishment that we deserve the solution is Jesus the one who is perfect the one who perfectly obeys and is able to pay the debt of our sin we are dead in our trespasses and sin but we are made alive to God in Christ Jesus God rules we send God provides the fourth thing you can flip your pages uh, kids if you still have that Jesus gives Jesus gives God provides Jesus gives. Redemption is applied to our lives. Jesus died on the cross in our place. He was raised for our justification. He ascended and he pleads for us before the Father at this very hour so that all of our sins have been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. Every sin that we committed, have committed, thought about committing, were nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. Your sin has been paid for because of the cross we have forgiveness of sins all who have faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus gives forgiveness to us. 1 Peter chapter 3:18. That might be printed in your books kids if you can see that. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, the king the creator for the creature the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You don't have to work your way to God. He comes to us. He brings us to God. He is the way to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And so Jesus gives us, he gives us his life. He applies his death on our account. He has risen victoriously over, our, over the grave, and we get credit for his perfect life we are called righteous in Christ Jesus. We no longer fear death. It's but a shadow because Christ has de- dealt with death for us. And He has conquered it and He has overwhelmed the grave. If we are in Christ, God the just looks upon His Son, looks upon us, and He sees His Son. He sees the work of Christ. God is King. We sinned against this King. Oh, what grace. He could have been done with us at that moment. But he provides a lamb. That lamb gives his life for us. But the truth is, the final thing, as we approach the end here, we must respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must admit that we are a sinner. We must believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of sins as Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, this is what I witnessed to this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we must believe the work of Christ is our only hope in life and death, and we must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The truth is, is that one day we will all confess that when Christ returns, but at that moment when every knee bows and tongue confesses that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father we know the truth that jesus says the sheep will be separated from the goats is that when we leave this earth we must immediately give an account for our lives individually to the lord and so i guess the question i know the question is have you responded to the gospel have you responded to the good news that god is king that you are a sinner that God provided the only way. That Jesus gives you life and breath and everything. It's not enough to hear the good news. We must respond the good, respond to the good news. And we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Faith comes through hearing. You've heard the word of Christ. Faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. One thing I hope, we're going to close this out, then we're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a moment together one thing I want us to see throughout this series is that we are sent ones and we're sent with that good news. We're sent with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want us to see that the gospel is the message of the church, what we are called to proclaim and commanded to proclaim. But something else we're going to see through this series, I believe, is that we see this good news form us and form the church. One theologian said it like this, the gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity like the beginning stages, it's the A to Z of Christianity. It's the very reason we exist, it's what forms us and makes us. And so I hope we see that these sent ones go with the gospel and are formed by the gospel. And so when we ask as we close out this morning is, have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you have, let me maybe ask Christians, I want to ask you it like this. What news is discipling you? You see, the the gospel disciples us as well. Is the good news of the gospel, is, is that what's forming your life? What news do you hear? What's ringing in your ears day in and day out? God rules. I'm going to submit every square inch of my life to him. I'm a sinner, so I know I need a savior. But if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive my sins. He's nailed all of my sins to the cross of Jesus Christ. I give him my life. I give him everything because I am a sinner. But God provided, oh, he loves me. He loves me particularly in Christ. And I have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I will continue to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of my life. I pray that as we go through this series, we'll see the work of the Holy Spirit um, in the work of this church and the work of our lives. Let's pray.